Good morning, Four Oaks. It is Pastor Paul. Believe it or not, it is Wednesday. Let's check the date here. January 19th, 2022. Um, you have jumped on board the Four Oaks Pastoral Devotional. We take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning to unpack uh, a portion of God's Word. And right now we're running concurrently with our series through the Book of Romans, where we're taking the passage that we looked at the previous week and we're diving in a bit deeper across a variety of issues and spectrums on that particular passage, things that we may not have gotten a chance to get to during the sermon. And if you were with us this past Sunday at Four Oaks, we talked about these two men, these two champions, um, who Paul confers the spiritual title of the first Adam, which of course is Adam in the garden, and then the second Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And Paul is making this comparison between these two Adams, that the first Adam came to bring life in flourishing and shalom by obeying God, walking with God, honoring God. Yet, um, because he fell into sin, um, he um, brought ruin, misery, sin, destruction uh, upon mankind by virtue of his act. And that because of this, God raised up a second champion, a second Adam, who was who came to do what the first Adam could not. Then it was through the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ, his death on our behalf, that we received not the death of Adam, the first Adam, but the righteousness of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing this week is sort of unpacking this idea of these covenants a little more closely. Because Adam, of course was part of this covenant of works. And by covenant of works, covenant means life and death agreement. And God had made a life and death agreement with Adam and Eve. And he said, if you obey me, walk with me, um, you'll flourish, there'll be shalom, there'll be peace. Um, if you worship me, honor me, obey me, you will dwell securely in the garden. It will be paradise, nirvana, bliss. However, if you sin against me and disobey, then you are going to be cast out of the garden. And so Adam fundamentally failed this covenant of works. And it was up to Jesus to come and to fulfill that covenant of works on our behalf. Now, the question is, how do we get there? And we, were, we talked last time about the idea that our Bible has what is called an Old Testament or New Testament. It means Old Covenant and New Covenant. Um, but both of these covenants are part of this overarching covenant of grace that God has made with us. And it began in the garden when Adam and Eve fell into sin, where God said, I'm going to raise up a seed from your line, Adam, and Satan is going to um, bruise his heel, meaning he, he, he will die, but Jesus will crush his head. And of course, the fulfillment of this seed, of course, is Jesus Christ. Uh, our Savior himself. And that's where this covenant of grace began. And then it's through a succession of covenants in the Old Testament that God is revealing progressively his plan of redemption. And last time we talked about the Noahic covenant. And the Noahic covenant is where God promised uh, that to Noah that he would not wipe out the earth again, um, Noah and his descendants. In fact, he would give them a place to live and and to worship and to have families and to work and all those sorts of things. And we talked about the reason that God did this was to preserve the earth 
or, or, or let me state it this way, God's purpose in not destroying the earth was to raise up a people, was to prepare a people for salvation, because at any point in time in human history, God would be perfectly justified of wiping everyone off the face of planet earth, right? But through the Noahic covenant, God says, I'm not going to do that. Um, and in doing so, he gives us a context in which to live and breathe in this life by which he in turn is going to bring salvation to his people. And this brings us to the second covenant that we're going to look at, which is the Abrahamic covenant. So think about this. Um, from the time of Noah to the time of Abraham, we don't know exactly how many years that was, hundreds, if not thousands, we're not, we're not exactly sure. Depends on how you read biblical genealogy. But Noah worshiped God, but up to this point, there was no specific plan of God of salvation revealed to man. Well, that all changes, okay, right? When God appears to Abraham, and we see this appearance to Abraham in a couple of different places in Genesis, but let's go to Genesis chapter 15, and let's begin at verse 1. And this is God speaking to Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my, will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. All right, so, so here we have, um, to start off, the world is not following God. No one is following God. No one is worshiping God, by and large. But God calls out to Abram and says, Abram, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And through my covenant, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Through your seed, I am going to raise up a people. And he re reiterates this covenant in Genesis chapter 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and, and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now it's important to understand here what God is promising, okay? Remember, God would have been completely justified in wiping off the face of the earth all who turned against him, which was almost everyone. But instead he says, Abram, or now Abraham, I'm going to take you one man, and through your line, through your descendants, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. Now, now what does he mean there, okay? What does he mean there? Well, I think the New Testament writers um, give us a pretty clear idea of what is meant by this promise or covenant to Abraham. Turn over to Luke chapter 1 just for a second. I'm going to look at a couple of passages in the, is in the New Testament where Genesis and Abraham and the covenant with Abraham is explicitly quoted. And I want you to see how the writers of the New Testament understood 
the covenant of Abraham being fulfilled. All right, so now Mary's song of praise, Mary, the, the Magnificat as it's, as it's called, listen to what is said in her song of exaltation when it's revealed to her that she will bear the Messiah, okay? Look at, look at Luke 154. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So in other words, Mary recognized that this Messiah that was going to come, that was immaculately, immaculately conceived in her womb, was in fact a part of the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. Remember, God said it was going to be through your seed, Abraham. And here we are. God, Abraham's seed has grown. His progeny has grown into a nation. And God says, I'm going to bring out of this one nation a Messiah. And this Messiah is going to be the Messiah, the Savior of not just Israel, but of all the nations. Okay, Paul, the apostle, picks up on this very same theme in Galatians chapter 3. Now, this is dangerous what I'm doing because I don't have the exact verse right in my mind. Ah, but, I, but God was with me. I found it. Okay, listen to what the apostle Paul says about this. This is Galatians 3 verse 28. He says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay, do you, do you see what's happening here? Paul himself says, you know what? The church, the Christian faith, is all, it's not, it's not a new thing, okay? A lot of times we want to think about, like, for example, Judaism was one religion, and then Jesus came and started a second religion called Christianity. That's not the way it worked. The way of God's redemptive plan is that God had called a people to himself, beginning with Abraham, that came to include the entire Jewish nation. But God said, I'm not, I'm not content with that. Israel is just to be a beachhead by which all the nations of the world will be blessed. And the way that the New Testament writers saw this being fulfilled was through the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came not to be just the Savior of Israel, but the Savior of the whole world, the Savior of all the nations. That's why we can, even if we're not physically descended from Abraham, we can say we are children of Abraham, that we are his spiritual descendants. Um, this is how we are a part of Christ. And so everything that God has done through the gospel, through the coming of the Messiah, has been a direct result of his prophetic utterances as it relates to Abraham. So it's not as if this thing with Abraham happened, and that's for the Old Testament, and Jesus is over here now for the New Testament. No, no, there's this great continuity. See, this helps us understand how to read the Bible as a whole and not into segmented parts, right? God is continuing to work in the New Testament to fulfill what he had promised in the Old Testament. And one of the things that we can gather from this is that we ought to pay attention probably much more closely than we do to our Old Testaments. Although sometimes it's an archaic language and there's all these civil and ceremonial laws that don't apply to us in the same way because they're now fulfilled in Christ, it can be a little hard and complex in the genealogical records but let me really encourage us to be students of all of God's word, right? Because 
you can't really fully appreciate the New Testament without reading it in light of the Old Testament. And here we see that the God, the promises God had made thousands of years before to Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 and Genesis 17 were coming to fulfillment through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's exciting. Not only has Jesus come and been a, partial, a part of the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises, but we, in fact, are a fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises. Our children are a fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises. And everything God is doing in the world today in terms of um, reaching people with the good news is the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 15. Think about it as a beachhead. Abraham was one singular man, but through his faithfulness, a nation was called to God. And through um, that nation, a Messiah was called and brought up by God. And through that Messiah now, all the nations of the world will be blessed. There'll be representatives in heaven from every tongue, tribe, and nation. Why? Because of God's grace as revealed in the Abrahamic covenant. Now, tomorrow, what we're going to look at is the Mosaic covenant. Okay. So once God had called this nation, Israel, to himself to establish as his beachhead, he gave them very specific law, civil, ceremonial, moral, and a covenant with them. And we want to understand how this served to further the progress of redemption, the plan of redemption, how this carried forward God's plan to set the stage for what was to come after. So that'll be tomorrow. Uh, but let me pray for us and um, we'll be done. Lord, thank you that those of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ, we have Abraham as our father. We have um, his spiritual legacy. So Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for um, the reality that you that we are a, a part of the fulfillment of the promises you made to Abraham thousands of years ago. And we pray that you would continue to raise up um, a people to yourself through those promises in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.